Hello, welcome to Rule Number Three, the podcast committed to an asshole-free workplace. I'm your host, Eric Harkins, author of Great Leaders Make Sure Monday Morning Doesn't Suck, and I'm excited to bring back a podcast under the new name, Rule Number Three, where each episode I'm going to be talking with leaders who understand what it really takes to create a culture high performers want to be a part of and who are passionate about making sure Monday morning doesn't suck. Well, welcome back to my conversation with Howie Milstein. I hope you tuned in to episode one, rule number three podcast committed to an asshole free workplace. We had a lot of fun in in episode one, but we're going to have a lot more fun in episode two, Howie, because I want to start with some of my favorite things that I've heard you say, but you know, if anyone visits your website, the Institute, stop taking yourself so seriously. Uh, you have it on there as well. And I'm just going to start with what I like to call some of my favorite Howieisms, And I'm just going to let you talk about what it means and why it's part of your message and where it came from and how, you know. How, oh my how, God, how I am so this. thrilled Are you that excited? there is something that exists oh. called Howieisms. It's a, I, you know, I'm going to trademark the term. You can steal it and use oh. it all you want. But uh, I've always wanted a Howieism. Here's my first Howieism. All right. You're dead a long time. Oh, yes. Talk to me. Talk to me I about that. I just think it's, that. It's, it's true. But, you know, when I read it, uh, it's just one of those things you read it and you're like, man, I love it. But yeah, tell, tell us about your dead a long time. So, and I've got a little more perspective on this than even when I started saying that. I've only been, yeah. I've been saying that for 20 years. Yeah. I think it's valuable yeah. to occasionally and regularly contemplate your mortality. Hmm. And the value there is is the legacy that you want to leave. How do you want people to remember you? What did you really give them? Yeah. Right? And by doing that, first of all, it takes some pressure off of how important anything is at any given time. Right? right? right. It's good for you. But it's also good because, you know, if you want people to say, you know what, he was a great person, was always there for me, kind, good listener. Right. It'll dictate your behavior today. Or right now. So it's sort of a way to just to check in with what your values are, what's really important to you. Yeah. And say, let's just, you know, life is short. Right. You know, you're going to die penniless. Anyhow, you can't take it with you. Right. And is it worth playing a zero sum game? Yeah. For your own game, mm. you know? Right. And, you know, so it's contemplating and I take people through this exercise. Yeah. You know, I'll have them write their obituary a little bit and then I'll mm-hmm. have them, you know, write a little epitaph for themselves. And, and I just had this conversation with Gail not that long ago. Yeah. And she's agreed to do it. I don't know if you can do this in a Jewish cemetery or not, <laughs> but on the bottom of my tombstone, I just wanted to say, Howie gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because don't you think that people would understand what that, that is? Yeah. You know, so, you know, if I give a shit, that means I'm caring about other yeah. people, right. other things, you know, yeah. it's not all about me. Right. It's get me out of the picture. And that's my book is a lot about, a lot about ego and self-interest. It's about yeah. serving others. Yeah. And that's my legacy. So if yeah. I think, okay, I I'm going to be dead. I picture my tombstone. Yeah. What does giving a shit look like? Right. right. And it yeah. means, it means listening. It means caring. It means. Yeah entertaining it means putting a smile on someone's face right yeah. whatever that is right it means washing the dishes once in a while for gail you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well and you know we talked about this in our episode one but 
it's about being genuine and authentic, right? And I mean, I've known you for a decade and the people that I know that have known you for a long time, I think if we saw that on your tombstone, we'd say, yeah, that about sums it up, right? (laughs) Because you're real, you're genuine, you're authentic. You know, when you say something, we can tell that you mean it genuinely. So I think that a lot of that aligned with what we talked about earlier. And when you use this in your coaching, what is it about the people that struggle with that, that, that you find? I mean, because writing your obituary, fine, but, you know, the people who really maybe don't even subscribe to what you're talking to them about is, is there something that you can point to that? Got Some to that people place? are really uncomfortable going there. Yeah. Some people just aren't comfortable with the impermanence of their existence. Yeah. So yeah. it can be a more difficult experience for others. Yeah. But I usually don't have people go through that exercise until I know them a little bit. Sure. And I always, you know, I'll take my coaches through values exercises. Yeah. And then I'll help them with it. Right. I'll just draw from their values. Right. Yeah. I help them right. with it and they say, God, that's really good. Thank you. Right. 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 So, but, you yeah. know, again, that's that discomfort. Right. It's not comfortable yeah. contemplating your mortality. No. No, it's a scary thing to think about for a lot of people. So, so this is maybe related to it. Howieism number two, my next Howieism. Try to think of something funny at a funeral. <laughs> and maybe it's all in the same, you know, maybe those two are related, but because uh, if you uh, or, think sorry, about try, try to think of funny stuff, at funny a stuff at yeah. a funeral. Yes. <laughs> As you know, there's not a situation in life that I don't think we can have a little bit of fun with. Right. Sometimes things feel really grave, but it's really important to come up with the lighthearted side whenever you possibly can. There are times when that's not possible, right? There are times. But for the majority of the time, especially within the context of business, there's funny stuff. And if you can point it out, you can laugh at it. And it also makes you realize how not big of a deal you are. Right? right. So when you think about funny stuff at a funeral, it's always fun to think about funny stuff about the person that's just died, you know? And the, some of my favorite funerals are the ones where people, you know, where the kids or friends are eulogizing and going through this stuff and people are crying with laughter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, those are my favorite funerals. Yeah. So if you can get to the point where you're in a situation that is typically considered rather grave. Yeah. And still fine. Now that's building your funny muscle. Yeah. Right. No, I, think I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. You ready for another Howieism? Sure. <laughs> Everybody is afraid. Oh, uh, it is that emotion that triggers our subconscious brain and makes us do things that if we had full control of our faculties, we wouldn't do. Yeah. You know, we've got, the subconscious brain that can hijack your best intentions. Yeah. And one of the most common emotions, you know, we feel is fear. And think of the dysfunction that fear drives. And you've already responded and reacted before you even identified the fact that you're afraid. Your subconscious brain is operating on its own. You know, it is a total jerk in your head. (laughs) You know, that is like walking around like it owns the joint. (laughs) And when people are afraid, they get defensive, they get loud, they get angry, and it just 
you know, sometimes yeah. to know that they're afraid helps you to maybe cut them some slack if they haven't yeah. behaved in the way you want them to behave. Right. But I also say that yeah. because you are a subset of everybody. Hmm. Yeah. You are afraid to, whether you yeah. admit it or yeah. not. Such a part of the human condition that, yeah. you know, that your ridiculous subconscious brain just <laughs> say, hey, I'm just going to have some fun with this. You're, you know, this is, you're probably going to die here. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's that mortal fear. It is. And, and it's just something I think we all could spend a lot of time thinking about. I, I was watching a podcast that happened to be with Matthew McConaughey, coincidental, but he was telling a story about something the grandfather said right before he passed away. And he said, you know, I've had a lot of crises in my life and most of them never happened. And it's, and I love that. I'm like, that awesome. it's yeah. so good because the God, we just, we are we about stuff, stuff that we just, up. and we can't control it. And we it's worry about MSU stuff. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. MSU. Yeah, exactly. And so I just, I love that. I've had a lot of crises in my life and most of them never happened. So I thought that was great. So, okay, we've got two more Howieisms, and we'll uh, then we'll get back to advice for our listeners. Does that exhaust but... the Howieisms? No, nope, no, nope, I think there's a hundred and two more, but <laughs> I just picked out a couple. But you know, when somebody asks me to, and I'm sure you get this too, you know, hey, can you sign the book or whatever? One of my favorite signatures is "Life is too short to work with assholes." That's kind of my standard message. But you talk about don't waste time with sociopaths, bullies, and megalomaniacs, which. Maybe we're saying the same thing, but but talk about that. I agree with you, but it's hard, right? And we struggle with it. So, well, when you're that far off the narcissistic spectrum, yeah, some people just can't be empathic. Yeah. They can't understand what you're feeling. No. You know, they can't be emotionally intelligent, and they're super dangerous people because. They're really all about themselves. This is the self-interest part of this trust equation. Yeah. If you can't trust somebody because they don't care about you. Right. You can't have a meaningful relationship with them. If you think about the basis of, you know, the trust is probably the most important basis of functional relationship. Sure. And, you know, when you're talking about people that are off the scale on self-interest. Yeah can't trust them right they can't be trusted you can't have a relationship and right. if you think you can work for somebody and not have a relationship with them yeah i don't even know how to explain why that seems like it's not possible right right you know at least a functional relationship yeah you know you can have a bad relationship with somebody like that that's okay yep but i say why <laughs> yeah right. get the hell out of there yeah. go well, fly move you know, I had some experience and I was a person who I didn't realize that was a psychopath. I hadn't studied mm -hmm. it. I hadn't looked at it. And I told yeah. this to a friend of mine who I used to work with in, at Medtronic. I was, or for Medtronic, I was at Medtronic for a couple okay. of years. And uh, I had a good friend there and uh, told her my experience that I had with this. And she goes, read this book by, I think it's Martha Stout. Oh, can't remember the name, but it's about psychopathy and sociopathy. Yeah. I think it was called the sociopath next door. Okay. Or the psychopath next door. Yeah. Anyhow. Yep. So I read this book. And in the book, there are like seven different characteristics of psychopathy. And if you have four of them, you're theoretically, clinically 
diagnosable as being a psychopath, right? Okay. So it just made me realize that this wasn't me. This was this person. And the whole company was in shambles, right? Yeah. So, you know, it was bad news. And, yeah. you know, if you read that book, yeah, you can just pick your favorite political foe. <laughs> you can probably give yeah. describe all seven of those characteristics to them. Right. Yeah. Well, on that note, then we'll come back to the last Howieism, but I was going to, you know, talk about this with you that, you know, you're talking about a political foe. And one of the things that I think is challenging for anyone right now, both at work and, and probably in their life is how polarizing, you know, the world we live in currently is. And People feel like they have to pick a side. And, you know, I had a high school friend who got together after not seeing each other for a long time. And he said, you know, I liked it a lot better when we were growing up and none of us knew who each other's parents voted for. We didn't care. We didn't even think to ask. And I was like, yeah, you know, there's some value to that. But you wrote a blog, Breakfast and Ambivalence, and you kind of talk about wow. this of, you know, talking with you dug people. deep, man. Hey, archives. You know, I'm not messing around here. So, okay. but no, it was a great blog. And you talk about, you know, it's really good and healthy, but a lot of people are struggling with engaging in really thoughtful and respectful conversation with people who have really different views than them. So I'd love to talk about where your, you know, philosophy on this comes from and, you know, what led to that blog. I thought it was, it was well-written. So. And it was, that was written because of what we're seeing around us, the divisiveness yeah. and the fact that. People aren't right or wrong. Now they're good or bad. They're enemies. Right. And I'm thinking, this has really just gone way too far. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, people will choose a side without actually being that critically thinking or even, <laughs> you know, research the issue. They choose a side quickly. Right. right. And once you choose a side, then you spend so much time and energy defending it, confirming your bias. Right. Whatever that is, watching the whatever news program, you know, fits that narrative. Yeah. And you're not doing some critical thinking. When the fact of the matter is, we really don't know shit. <laughs> right. And just embrace that. Yeah. And so I actually started a movement. I haven't done much with it lately, though, but it's choose ambivalence, <laughs> which is sort of an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. It's like a really it. wonderful place to come from. You get to come from curiosity. You yeah. don't have to feel like you know anything. Right. You know, you can have some ideas, but you can really ask questions and listen with great curiosity. Right. And there are people out there who, you know, it's about values and some people are more conservative and some are more liberal, you mm -hmm. know, but I find that there are plenty of people along that spectrum that are willing to have these great conversations, yeah. right? And right. it just is, enriches your life right. to not choose a side. Yeah. And if you don't have to, you get to, you ultimately have to make a choice, right? You know, when you go to vote, but it's like any decision you make in life. Yeah. You know, it could be the wrong one. Right. You're going to do your best, make a decision, move yeah. on. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that ambivalence is really just a, a delightful perspective to go yeah. with and just have discourse, right? You know, learn, come up with a new idea that you don't have, and, you know, seek to understand. 
and embrace the commonalities that we all have, which is yeah. that A, we're all afraid, right? right? We're right. all afraid, you know, and we all like hamburgers. Other than that, you know, it's probably something else though too, but you know. Yeah. Well, we won't get into the, do you put ketchup on a hot dog argument or, or not, but we'll save that yeah. for another podcast. I will tell you, I think Choose Ambivalence could be a great title for your next book too. So don't forget about that. All right. And I think there's something about, you know, this kind of lost art of just being able to do this. Right. And we both talk about this in our coaching that, you know, good leaders get to know their team. Great leaders take time to let their team get to know them. And I make an argument in my book that, hey, if you have a team of high performers, you should just be spending all of your time during your weekly meeting talking. Right. You know, start the meeting with what do you need for me to help finish what you're working on? Nothing. Great. How was your son's basketball game, right? Why do you need to talk about anything else if you have a team of high performers? When you have to be agenda-focused and task-oriented is when you have people who aren't you know, performing. But that aside, I just think there's something about the ability to sit and have this conversation. You and I know each other pretty well. I don't think we're aligned on everything you know, globally and politically. I don't really even know, and I don't really care because I like you as a person, and I wish we could just sort of get back to that and we've lost a little of it, but I don't want to get too deep on this. I want to keep this. No, fun. But it's where we are. It's where yeah. people are feeling a lot of pain right now. I think it's really fair to address it. So yeah. I appreciate that you brought that up. Yeah. And by the way, choose, I have to read that article again. <laughs> you know, that, that got picked up, but this, I just submitted it to the star tribune. I don't yeah. really know. This. I submitted it like just through like the normal online letters of the editor portal. And they mm-hmm. published it three days later in its entirety. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, nice. Right. And did they call you to tell you or did somebody else tell you? They, they, they emailed it? me. Okay. Oh, no, they emailed me yeah, and said, so we use it. Yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. All right. So this one, I can't wait to hear, hear your philosophy around. So our last Howieism for today, sometimes just care less. <laughs> Again, how important is anything? Yeah. And that right. ties into you're dead a long time. Yeah. Right. That's a corollary, you know, or an adjunct to that one. Right. Sometimes I think people just make a deal out of something. Yeah. And they just latch onto it. And all of a sudden it becomes a mission. Right. For them to have something go their way. Yes. And look, you got kids. I got kids. You know, as a parent, we want our kids to be good people and, you know, grow. But, at some point, they become themselves. Yeah. And it's nice to care, but if you look at them and care so much that their lives become yours, yeah, it's unhealthy for right. everybody. Right. And it just lets you off the hook for having to make sure something goes perfectly. Yeah. I've always thought like with weddings, you know, planning weddings and, and again, so, you know, I've married off a couple of kids and. I see the stress and anxiety about what's going around around wedding planning. It's like, right. you know, and this is some wisdom from Gail. She goes, you know, no matter what happens, the time just passes. You get through it and everybody will probably have a good enough time. Right. right. <laughs> but when you're, when you care that much about, you know, the exact color for the bridesmaids or which flowers you're going to have, it's like, that's a lot of energy, you know? And it's probably not, (laughs) it's not necessarily all that worth it. So I just think, and by the way, for my own athletic performance. So (laughs) I remember, this is years ago. So I was bowling 
and I was on a bowling league and I actually got pretty good, but I got really good when I stopped caring so much. (laughs) I said, just have fun. Let it go. Let your, whatever it is, manifest itself. And all of a sudden I end a year, like at a 210 bowling average, which was a great year. Right. I'm thinking, and I just told myself when I got up to the line, care less. Yeah. Waste my mind, care less. <laughs> and it worked. I don't know. It worked. <laughs> it worked. It's kind of like the old Seinfeld episode when George decides to say the opposite of what he's thinking and his life yes. just starts to take off. <laughs> right. So I right. like it. Just, uh, but, just care less. But, yeah. But it's just, it's a, you know, I just think it works in so many areas. Just let yeah. yourself off the hook. It doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, what's really that important. Yeah. Well, we're. Because you're dead uh, a long time. You're dead a long time. We're all very hard on ourselves, some of us more than others. So I always like to ask people, what's a book or two that you'd recommend? And, you know, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it, but you sent me a book, which I really enjoyed, The Power of Regret by by Daniel Pink. What a great read. And I encourage people to read it as well. If I asked you that question, what's one book? Is that the one that you'd recommend? Or is there another one you read recently? Yeah. Yeah. Right now, because embracing regret is embracing the wisdom that you've gained yeah, and understanding how things in the past didn't work out so well. If you can get in touch with it, yeah, you can change the way you act right now. Yeah. And, but also to use it as a decision-making tool to say, is this something that if I do now, how will I feel about it in 30 years or hmm. when I'm on my deathbed? Yeah. You know, again, right. What's most important here? Yeah. And, you know, so try to mitigate future regrets and try to manage past regrets. Yeah. So regret can be a very, I mean, it is a very useful thing, but people will say, I have no regrets. (laughs) Right. Does that mean they're just too afraid to look at the stuff that they should be regretful of? Right. Yeah. You know, and I think there's something there because look, if you haven't made a mistake or you haven't hurt somebody, yeah, you're probably not trying hard enough. You <laughs> right. know? Yeah. Sometimes you do it by accident, you know, right. for sure. You just live in life. You're bound yep. to do something that's going to impact somebody in the wrong way, right. which to me is yep. the, my biggest regrets are any hurts that I might've caused people in the sure. past. And I still, you know, and having read that book, it, you know, yeah. inspired me to do one thing that I was painful or not painful, but uncomfortable. Yeah. Did it, and it turned out to be the greatest experience. So I think this, I'm a big Daniel Pink fan. Yeah, well, me too. And I think part of what you're talking about and the theme from the book, too, is what we've talked about. That You know, great leaders can admit when they're wrong. Great leaders can just be genuine. Back to this genuine and authentic. We all make mistakes. We all unintentionally hurt people. Of course, we all have regret. And, you know, the leaders who are you know, humble enough to say, hey, I messed up, right? I thought I was doing the right thing, and I didn't. You know, it's okay to say you're sorry as a leader as well, I think. And, you know, some of these things that people think they can't do because they have to be the boss. And that's what I appreciate about you and your coaching and, you know, the other leaders that share our philosophy of just be real, right? Be who we are. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And by the way, you can't be so hard on yourself to say, I'll live my life in a way that I can't regret anything in the future. Right. You know what I mean? That's just too much pressure. Yeah. Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes you make the wrong choice. You can't possibly know. You know, we're really good, like in business, we're really good at looking at 
an explanation for what happened in the past. Yeah. We're not that good yeah. at looking at, you know, what our decision has done to affect the future. Right. You know, right. And, yeah. and you can be regretful about that, but, you know, you can't avoid it. I mean, yeah. I'm saying you just simply can't avoid it. But to get in touch with the regret, at least it enables you to learn from it and do something possibly different. Yeah. You know, well, I think that's a great way to end. But I will ask one other question before we wrap up here. Anything that you were hoping we were going to get into and talk about today that we haven't covered? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. You know, I showed up, Eric, just trying to be <laughs> who you needed me to be today. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I had no agenda, which is a great way to go through life, which is by great. the way. <laughs> and I had no agenda either, which I hope our listeners appreciate. I really genuinely want to sit and just have you know thoughtful conversation with really smart people who, again, are just as committed as I am to you know trying to get to a point where we're, we're not talking about Monday morning sucking and we're not talking about you know whatever word you want to use for a bad leader, fill in your own blank. Because- right. You and I have talked about this, and I talk about it all the time. A bad leader will never create a good culture because they don't know what it looks like, and they don't care about it. So I appreciate the work you're doing for our listeners. Check out Howie Milstein. Go ahead and give a shameless plug. Which vehicle would you like people to find you on? Your oh, I'm the easiest guy or... to find. Just go to LinkedIn. You Perfect. know, I don't know if there's any other Howie Milsteins out there. Yeah, this was a blast, and you're going to have zillions of guests. Now we'll look forward to the rotation. When you start bringing back old guests, because you've had enough on by now. Well, you set the bar pretty high, so I don't know who's going to follow you, but they got big shoes to fill. I do really appreciate you. <laughs> One thing but about likewise. how he's, he's very giving with his time and very authentic. So really, please do reach out. If you are a senior level leader that's looking for a, a vistage opportunity and some executive coaching, there's nobody better than Howie. So with that, Thank you for that. I appreciate uh, that, Eric. Absolutely. And I look forward to connecting when you get back from sunny California as I sit here in snowy Minnesota, but go play some pickleball or something. And Sounds good. Uh, Coffee we'll... and mayo, right? Perfect. Love it. Got it. All right. Thanks, Howie. Be well. Great. You bet. Bye. Bye.